0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 113 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Horseshow.com, Kentucky Performance Products and Equestrian Collections. Hello, I'm Chris Stafford. Welcome back to the Dressage Radio Show for another episode. I'm back after a mini vacation. No, it wasn't a dream vacation, but it was a very welcome little break. And I'm delighted to be back in the chair again for another episode. And this week, we're going to be hearing from our first young reporter. I'm delighted to be able to bring our first one to the show. You know, I've been asking all of you around the world, if you're under 20 years of age, to... Contact me and let me know if you would uh, like to report on your local show. And we have our first young reporter, and that's going to be Corinne Staling. She's going to be joining us a little bit later on to tell us about Dressage for Kids, which, of course, is that very popular annual festival that uh, is hosted by Lendon Grey, of course, another regular contributor to the show. And this is a very popular event for young people. And uh, Corinne is actually the working pupil for Courtney King Die, and has been for a little while, so she has an insider 's view of that uh, particular event, and she 's going to tell us all about it in a little while and We also have an, a profile this week of Diane Creech, the Canadian rider who 's really on a roll right now and uh, having a lot of successes. So I was able to catch up with Diane and hear her story, which i 'm delighted to bring that to you shortly. But uh, also, uh, we have some big news here on the Horse Radio Network. Well, actually, there's a lot of things happening here on the Horse Radio Network. If you haven't heard already, Equestrian Legends is out of the gate, and I'm delighted to be launching that one. That is a bi-weekly show where we're going to be celebrating the lives of some of our most senior legends. And that uh, episode two is already, uh, actually, it's gone live, went live just uh, the other day, from the 1st and the 15th of each month. Those episodes will be aired and, of course, they're always permanently available on the websites at equestrianlegends.com and also on iTunes where you can download and update your podcast. And as you probably know, if you're a regular listener to the show, that I've been looking forward to Equestrian Legends. We've had some of the guests here already on some of the other shows under the Inspirational People series that I started last year. So some of them will be repeats and only a few of them because we only just did a handful of those. But there are an awful lot of new guests and we will be covering... 360 degrees of the horse world with equestrian legends we'll be looking to to people that um you know have been legends within their own sport and uh, their own breed no matter what area of the horse world they've been in i hope to cover them over time and looking forward to that series enormously or that new show i should say enormously and as I said, the other changes on the Horse Radio Network, if you follow us closely, you'll know that we've also launched the Driving Radio Show, brand-new show that's going to be hosted by Wendy Ying, and she's a four-in-hand driver, and Glenn, of course, Glenn from the Horse Radio Network, who's a keen enthusiast of carriage driving so the two of them will be hosting that new weekly show too so congratulations to them good luck with that new show we'll be following that with interest and we will have them here on the show to say hello to you in the near future And you may have noticed in my pre-show bumper there, we have some new sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show that I'm delighted to welcome. And we're going to be talking now to Gil Merrick, who's the Vice President for Programme Development and Head of Online Shows, that is, for Horseshow.com. And very exciting to have them join the Horse Radio Network. So we're going to hear now all about this new service that is online. Well, Gil, welcome to the Horse Radio Network. We're delighted to have Horseshow.com as part of uh, the Horse Radio Network family.
0: Thank you for inviting me, Chris. Glad to be here.
1: And you are, I believe, based up in the corporate headquarters uh, up in the far north reaches of Michigan, a lovely state, but uh, that's proven to be a big move for you because you were down here in the bluegrass, weren't you?
0: Yes, I was. I spent uh, just over four years in Lexington and when I was uh, approached about coming on board with Horseshow.com, all of the development work for the website, which has been going on for over a year, has been out of uh, the company's base headquarters in Birmingham, Michigan. We're just northeast of Detroit, and uh, we're a subsidiary of uh, Aria Ventures, which is a venture capital group uh, based here in Birmingham. And uh, this particular project here is the one that I've been devoting all of my time to for the last nine months.
1: Well, well, as I said in the introduction, you are VP for Program Development, that is kind of head of online shows. So explain to us exactly how this works. What does Horseshow.com do, and why is it different to anything else?
0: Well, our approach is to have something available for riders of all breeds of horses and riding within all disciplines, where in uh, kind of in conjunction with the live showing that they may do at the regular horse shows or if they don't have access to shows or can't afford to go to them, that there's a way for them to come to our website, look to see what shows we're offering, and we offer different shows each week, and then they stay open for several weeks so people can enter. And they once they find a a show that's suited for the breed of horse that they're riding and the kind of discipline that they ride, they look through the class list and find one that seems suitable to them. They read the description of what the class calls for, and then they, at their home training facility, uh, make a video of their performance. And these are usually three or four minute videos, although of course the dressage ride gets to be five or six minutes. And then they come to the website, they create a profile page for themselves, a lot like you would do on Facebook. And within that profile page, you can list the names of horses that you have. And then when you're ready to take a video that you've made at home and upload it onto the site, you just click on a little drop-down box and you say, this is the video for this particular horse. And it then lives on your profile page. So it's an archive of the rides that you post. And then when you're ready to enter the show, you simply click the button Enter, and you pick the class that you want to put the horse in, and it uploads onto that class. And then you're entered along with the other video entries so uh, people from all over the country or even around the world, which, of course, is the beauty of the Internet. And then you can pick one of two kinds of shows. Uh, the main shows that we have up now are judge shows. So we have USES and SEI licensed officials who are um, enabled through their own computers at home to log in as a judge to the website, and they see a list of the classes they've been assigned to and the entries that have been posted into that class. And they have a viewer that enables them to click on a thumbnail of the horses that are entered in the class. And up comes the video player with the video loaded. They have a start and stop and repeat feature on the viewer so they can watch the video very carefully. And on the same screen, then, is the electronic scorecard uh, for the class that they're judging. And when they've completed viewing the video, they type in uh, comments to the entrant, to our member. And that uh, scorecard is then sent via email. Uh, to the profile page for that member, and it's private. So it's uh, just for the member to see, or the member can friend other people on the website, maybe their trainer or good friends, and give them access to their page, so that they can also go see the uh, the entries that have been submitted. And I think what's unique is, especially within some of the breed divisions or the hunter divisions, where a competitor at a live show certainly knows at the end of the class how they fared as far as their placing, They don't necessarily know why. They don't always get direct feedback from the judges. And that's something we're offering on the website, that every entry uh, gets a direct comment uh, from the judge that comments on their performance. And we think uh, at this point that is probably our most uh, distinguishing feature, that and the fact that uh, there's such a wide selection of shows that, that a writer can enter.
1: Well, this is taking YouTube to a whole new level, isn't it, Gil? Who is behind the concept
0: Jeff Sloan is the CEO and founder of Horseshow.com, and he's also a principal with Aria Ventures. He's a lifetime horseman and uh, is active in the Arabian world and really was uh, as part of his role in venture capital, just paying attention to where different um, uh, business models were going on the Internet. And uh, it really is uh, uh, the foresight of creating a community for videos that otherwise might just live on their own on YouTube, and certainly there are communities within YouTube, but this is a idea it came to be to say, well, you know, everybody who shows a horse shares a common interest. So what if there was one place to go for people who have an interest in showing horses and had something available for folks who may not have a trailer or their horse doesn't have a current hoggins or for any number of reasons they're not actively going out to the shows or they are going to live shows and they want to get a little bit of extra coaching and practice and feedback before they go so that they can improve their performance at the live show.
1: And this, of course, is a great fit with the Horse Radio Network, Gil, because you are covering so many different disciplines, as we do too. And where are you most strong right now, and where do you see this developing?
0: We started, uh, we did a bit of research as far as kind of numbers in the U.S. and and based on membership groups like the USCF and and their affiliates. And right now we have dressage shows. um, We have Arabian shows. We have a Western pleasure uh, class that's up for all breeds, and we are just getting ready in the next two weeks to put up our first Hunter shows. Uh, working with McNair uh, stables down in North Carolina and also a group from Chagrin Valley who were scheduled to have in September their 102nd annual uh, Hunter Classic. And uh, due to some circumstances of the show venue, they lost their water supply. Uh, they contacted us and said, you know, it's been 102 years. We don't want to lose uh, the momentum with this show. We'd like to host the entire show online. And so we're putting together the class list for that show now, and um, local trainers and people who normally frequent the live show will be invited to come on board, and we'll have the same judges and prize lists and uh, prize money and, and everything just like at the at the real show. And then beyond that, uh, we've been talking to a lot of different breed associations, groups that are interested in using the website to really showcase their particular discipline. Uh, we've just had some great conversations with uh, the Western Dressage Association of America, who have a very grassroots uh, base around the United States and not a lot of access to live shows. So I think we can do really exciting things with that group. And then other groups, uh, such as the American uh, paro also, the United States Fair Equestrian Association and also the American Vaulting Association, who are also looking for ways to give their members and their riders more feedback and more opportunities to, to practice uh, before they go to their live events.
1: Well, this really is using uh, every tool in the Internet box, isn't it? (laughs) Bringing uh, the virtual show right to your barn or to your arena. So tell us uh, what this involves. If you want to become a member, I'm sure it's easy enough to go to horseshow.com, but what is the fee structure for this, Gil?
0: Well, right now, because we're a new company, we're being uh, user-friendly, and there is uh, no subscription fee to the website. Uh, you uh, simply log on and give some very basic information basically uh your name and, uh, and an email address and all of the information of course is kept private unless you choose to share it with someone else in the network and then uh, once you 've signed in, you can set up a profile page for yourself if you don 't have a horse at this point that you want to enter it 's just the placeholder you have a place on the website and uh at any point you can add in one horse, two horse, three horses whatever you might be putting up and then when you're ready to enter a show uh... the each show has uh, an entry fee just like at a live show uh, most of the shows that are up now it's a fifteen dollar entry fee and that's the cost to be in the class qualify to win a prize and also of course to get the, the feedback from the live judge we also have a type of show up we call them popularity shows and in this case it's more of a fun venue it's a place to have your horse seen and to actually have the public the community vote on who they think are uh, the best performance in the classes. It's a little bit like American Idol for the horse show world. So in that case, like right now, we have a, a Western Pleasure class up, and someone can submit a video of them riding the Western Pleasure horse. It can be a video they already have from a horse show. It can be a video that they make at home, just showing the horse going to its paces as a Western Pleasure horse, it's uploaded into the class. The entry fee right now um, we've waived, but it's normally $3 to enter that class. And then you would, uh, once the entries close, you would start sending your friends to the site and tell them to vote for you because, of course, the winner of the, the class, in this case, gets a $250 prize. So it's a bit of a game component, a bit of a fun component, but also a way for people to show off their horses and, and to see how they kind of uh, measure up against the rest of the community.
1: Well, you said there's obviously an entry fee to enter the class, just as there would be in reality, but there are prizes as, to, as, as well. What is the structure of those prizes? And And are there prizes for every class that you enter?
0: Right now, uh, the classes that are up, um, for instance, we have a a program right now. We have a um, a whole about 72 junior and young riders in dressage around the country who are getting ready to go to Lexington for the North American Junior and Young Rider Championships. And we uh, set up a program where we've offered those riders the opportunity to uh, video their tests at home Send them into the classes, and then Natalie Lamping, who is a USCF S judge and an FEI I level judge, will review the ride and send a full score card back to the riders. And we're doing this at no charge to the riders as a way to support the, the youth movement. And anybody who submits a video gets a saddle pad embroidered with com. And we also have an opportunity for one junior and one young rider team to receive a $2,500. Sponsorship grant from com to help them with their travel expenses to go to Lexington. So, although there's not a prize list per se, there's certainly a lot that they get from participating. Our popularity classes usually have prize money because we think people like to compete for that kind of thing. And in the Hunter shows that we're putting up, we work with the organizers to find uh, local sponsors. It could be tax stores, it could be service suppliers, it uh, could be, uh, in one case, a bank that's interested in, in helping out the group. And in that case, we're asking them to provide prize money, and then we're talking to other companies to see if they'll provide uh, great prizes like coolers and green supplies and things that um, any rider would like to have if they're, if they're showing up horse.
1: Very exciting and uh, obviously very progressive. It, it's a, a fun fun way, I think, for anybody, especially if you're not able to travel for whatever reason. You may not be able to afford to travel. So there's one way of taking part in it. Horseshow.com. Gil, thank you very much for telling us about it. We are going to obviously be sharing this with other programs here on the Horse Radio Network. And we will be doing little features from Horseshow.com in the future. And we're really looking forward to that. We're bringing you something new and different here on the network in conjunction with Horseshow.com. Gil, thank you very much. The best of luck with this. Enjoy your horse shows too.
0: Thanks very much, Chris. I enjoyed talking with you and I look forward to our next chat.
1: And you'll be able to hear horseshow.com on several of the shows here on the Horse Radio Network. So a big welcome and a big thank you to them all over at horseshow.com for joining us. Well, we also, of course, have some very other valuable sponsors here on the network, and one of those is Equestrian Collections. And if you're shopping for a young rider, Equestrian Collections gives you the best choice of riding apparel. Equestrian footwear, equestrian-themed gifts, riding helmets, and riding safety gear for young riders of any equestrian website in the world. Great everyday and promotional prices, too, with an enormous selection. Kids' riding clothes, riding boots, equestrian thermal gear – In kids' riding gloves, equestrian jewellery and fun coordinating equestrian motif belts, boot and paddock socks and riding tops from head to toe, they have young riders covered. Shop the young riders department at equestriancollections.com or in the horse department. Equestrian Collections is always open, so shopping for them can be done whenever it fits your busy schedule. Equestrian Collections is open 24-7 and you can check out all of these products, of course, at equestriancollections.com. They are, of course, a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. Well, we're coming now to my first guest this week, and that is a Canadian rider. We have a lot of listeners up in Canada, I'm delighted to say. So welcome to all of you, and I do hear from many of you too. Send me emails and uh, leave comments on our Facebook fan page. So I know you're up there, and uh, obviously we'd like to bring you your news, what's happening from uh, around the provinces there. Do send me an email and let me know if you'd like to tell me about them here on the show. We'd love to hear from you, or anybody who you think should be uh, a guest here on the show from Canada. We love our Canadian neighbours. So uh, we're going to start uh, this week profiling Diane Creech, um, who, if you follow the sport, you'll know has been on a roll. She's had terrific success, uh, not least of all with Devon, and uh, she had a great weekend this past weekend and the previous weekend at two shows up there in Canada. So let's get Diana on the line. Well, Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm very
2: happy to be here, and I'm very excited that... um that I have the possibility, the chance to come and talk here.
1: Well, we wanted to profile you this week because you've been making the headlines, haven't you? Qualifying for the Pan Ams and, you know, basically having a good time.
2: Actually, what it is about is it's really the hard work that you put into it and then eventually you come to the point where um, where all your hard work that you put into your training and into your horses, um, you know, you, you finally get something back Um but it, with, I couldn't do all this without my sponsors, naturally, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Leatherdale, who have been uh, with me for a very long time. And um, it's been a very, very, very exciting um, combination between both of us and all three of us, and um, it's been really great.
1: Well, let's talk about those horses that you you have now in just a second because, as you said, you have a wonderful relationship with those sponsors that enable you to compete at the level that you are competing now, Diana, at the very top level and, and with some fantastic results. But, of course, there's always a beginning to this, and I'm always curious as to how people get into the sport because you were actually born in the States, weren't you?
2: I was born in the States, and then I grew up in Germany, and then I immigrated into Canada.
1: Now, now, why, can, Where? tell us exactly where you're born in the States, because I know our, our listeners will love to know exactly where, you know, where, so they can claim you as their own, you know? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I was born in Columbus, Georgia, and um, my mother moved back to Germany when I was about three years old, and then I grew up in Germany and different parts of Germany, in Bavaria, in Unterfranken, in, you know, in different parts of Germany. And then um, once I had finished um, my school and my entrepreneurship um, for writing, uh, I had the training of being a writer. And once you're finished with that, then I got an invite to come for one year. I was planning to come to Canada for one year. And um, just try it out. I wanted to see a little bit of the world. And I had the possibility, the chance to train with Ishoy's and um, Cindy and Neil Ishoy in Hamilton. Um, And I took the chance. And, um, yeah, and that's how I ended up here. And then I opened up my own business and I stayed here. I bought my farm I met my sponsors and um, have a very close relationship to another German um, farmer that's here in Hagersville. And um, this is where I have my horses for a very long time as well. And, yeah, so that's how I stayed here. And now I have a family here and um, have all my horses. I'm a Canadian citizen now, and um, we're all happy now here.
1: Well, that's the snapshot, Diane. I'm going to take you back to the early days, though, f- just for a moment, because I'm curious, when you said you, you were born here in, in Germany, in, your, in, in, in the States, but your mother, was, Ger- was German, was she, is she, was she going home to Germany? W- 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 where's the German influence?
2: That's right. My mom is German, and uh, she got divorced, and then she moved back to Germany to her family in Germany.
1: So, hence, you are fluent. Obviously, growing up, and you, all your education was in in Germany, was it, Diane?
2: That's right. That's correct. Yes.
1: So, fluent in German, but now tell me about the beginnings with dressage, because you didn't start right from scratch, did you? As a as a, as a pony mad, t- you no. know, girl, you 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 did other things, didn't you, before you discovered that horses is where you wanted to, uh, to attend, uh, address your attention.
2: Yeah, no, it is correct. I never went through the pony line or the junior young riders, which I think are absolutely wonderful programs for uh, these young women and men, um, these junior and young riders in pony divisions. I think they're just so awesome. Uh, but, yeah, we I never had the chance uh, growing up to do anything like that, but I always loved animals. So i we had a veterinarian around the corner, and I always went to see him and I asked if I could help him with his animals and I took his dogs for a walk and then I started brushing his horses and then I took his horses out and so I just kind of evolved more and more into riding instead of just taking the dogs for a walk and yeah and that's how I became more and more interested and then I started taking a little bit lessons and and then uh, you know you meet people I worked at a riding club in Germany and I was brushing horses in cleaning stalls in exchange for riding lessons and um, that is how I worked because we I'm not from a from a well family that could pay for lessons or anything so I always worked for my lessons and that's how um, I was able to afford uh, doing this and um, yeah and then I got more and more into it and then I was working in an office for uh, at least three years, and I realized how unhappy I actually was being, I'm going to say, locked up in an office and looking outside the window. And I really wanted to do something with horses. And my mom, thank God, she was very supportive about that. And She says, okay, you know, you have your education in an office now. You can always go back to that. And uh, now go try if you really want to do the horse thing. So that's what I did. I went it out, and um, I did my program my three year program uh, for Beraita, Um where you also have to work very hard, you get paid very little and um, And then I did that, and then I came over here to Canada.
1: Well, That was certainly a dedication, as you say, to apply yourself there in Germany, and it, an obvious place to get influenced by dressage as as well. So it didn't come from your family, or did you have any siblings that were keen on horses, Diane, or did you lead the way?
2: No, not at all, not at all. My The brother from my great-great-grandmother, you know, he rode in the army with horses, and I think that that was the only the only person that we had in our family that was involved in horses and now like three four generations uh next it's me in line so but and then i guess my daughter might but we'll have to wait and see for that
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, P- daughter vanessa how old is she now she's 11 now well wow. and and patrick of course your son as well is, is he showing any interest
2: He's 16, and uh, when he was very young, he, you know, I put him on horses, and he actually was very, very talented. And if he would have stuck with it, it would have been wonderful. But boys tend to always go a little bit more into the direction what dad does, and so that was more into football. So that's what he is into now, football.
1: Well, as I said, growing up in Germany, it's very easy to be influenced by dressage or whatever age you are. Did you try anything else, Diane, or, or at that time, was you just totally focused on classical dressage and the influences that you had right there?
2: Well, we had to, uh, we had to do some jumping as well alone for our program um, and for our testing that we had to do at the end of our program. Uh, so we did have to do some jumping. Um, the jumping never was really um, my main interest. Um, but I, it is probably also, um, I was training again with a tra- dressage lady, uh, Ulrike Lautemann, that was her name. And um, so, yeah, dressage was always the most fascinating thing for me, the connection between the horse and the rider. And to have the soft capability of training the horse and and making the horse understand what you want. It's, it always is very fascinating to me. It still is to this time. I know a lot of people, they say, Oh my God, you know, dressage is like watching paint dry and riding a 20 meter circle or whatever. But you have to understand what all goes into a 20 meter circle, like a plain, normal 20 meter circle. The, the different kind of feelings you, you, you can evolve riding a plain 20 meter circle. It's, just amazing
1: <laughs> what what is it? what makes it tick for you what 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 motivates you each day to to get out there and train every day? I know success of course is is a great reward, but what is it about dressage that connects with you in in your soul because a lot of people just you know feel it in their body
2: that's correct uh, for me working with the horses um, i mean i just I just think horses are the most beautiful animals they are. Like, they're so acceptable and so um, loving and so giving um, towards us. It always amazes me what they do for us. Um, But for me, it's always like, you know, being able to communicate with them and um, developing them. It's the training that is totally fascinating for me. So you, you, you get... A horse. It doesn't always have to be a top level horse that moves his legs out like crazy already. It's even getting a normal horse and, and through training and exercise and, and working to develop this horse to become like confident and loose and over the back and being able to go into the ring and to perform to his or her best ability. That is just what always fascinates me that um that you can connect so much to a horse that you can really change it you can really take a normal horse and you can really make it into a happy loose you know partner for you so i think that that is really fascinating to me
1: well clearly you became addicted when you once you decided to dedicate your life to horses and it hasn't wavered even often you know mothers when they have children growing they can be distracted by what their children are doing but you have not wavered from your motivation and you obviously success is really coming now Diana and the consistency which is obviously what all dressage riders strive for
2: That's right yeah like I mean I I had two children and both of my children I rode you know during my pregnancy and gave birth and and rode shortly after for me there was just never any anything else and when I went through my treatment for my cancer I had uh breast cancer and uh had to go through chemo and radiation and again like for me there was never a question that I am going to stop or yeah, you know, the horses were always the ones that gave me, that kept me grounded, that kept me going, and um, you know, just staying that connection. It just seems to be the fire in me, you know, that the horses keep burning, that keep lighting, and um, to be able to go. It, because it is not an easy. It is really not an easy. Uh, job to do, to go out every day and horses, as we all know, are not things that you can just put away and then pack out again. I mean, the consistency really is training, you know, six, seven days a week. It doesn't have to be hard training. It's just consistent. It's, you know, we have to take responsibility for our animals, for our horses. And um, I know it's not easy for my family sometimes to take all this or you know, when I was going through my treatment, you know, naturally everybody's going like, oh, you shouldn't be going to the barn. But, you know, it's like that—that that is what keeps me going. So I did go every day to the barn.
1: Uh, wonderful, obviously, support system you have there with your family. Your husband, although he may prefer football, he's a great supporter.
2: Well, actually, um hate to say it, but <laughs> we are, meanwhile, we are separated. But we are separated on good terms. Uh, because I do understand that, um, you know, being in this horse, he's not into horses at all, and, and um, me being so much into the horses, I do understand him that, um, you know, he did it for many, many, many years now, and um, I just think he wants to have part of his life, and, um, you know, the horses are just such a big part of my life that we just decided to part ways, and and, uh, but we, you know, we talk a lot still and we are still friends and, um, you know, it's, it's, we've been together for so many years, so it's, it's still, it's still good. It's a very good uh, relationship still.
1: And you've had a wonderful relationship, as you said earlier, with Doug and Louise Leatherdale uh, from Minnesota, and owning your horses and, and obviously producing wonderful quality horses with them. Diana, l- let's talk about the horses that you have now because you've been doing rather well uh, of, of late. <laughs> and, and I also want to congratulate you on your sportsmanship a- a- award that you, you won um, during the Winter Equestrian Festival, and I, I and I, I believe you said somewhere along the line that you considered being a good good sport to be true to yourself and to you to your horse.
2: That's correct. I mean, um, you have to always. Um, in and sometimes, in all this competition world, you do not want to get um, tied up in just riding for competitions uh, because that can be just too. Um, too tight that that will make you just aim for the top and you forget about the connection to your horse i mean you really do have to stay true to yourself you have to you have to you know keep loving the horse it's not about just winning the ribbon it is really about the training and the connection and um and how you achieve it it's not only about that you achieve your, your first place or your second place it is how you achieve it, and um, how you how you deal with it afterwards.
1: Well, let's talk about Devon, Devon L, because uh, you you've you obviously got a very so- solid partnership with him, and the results are are, are coming forth now. Um, tell us a little bit about his background, how you got the ride on him, and, and uh, how how he is now in his period of development.
2: Well, Devonel is a very special horse. I got him as a three-year-old, and I I broke him, and I trained him up the levels. And um, he has um, not been an an easy ride. Um, He is so smart and so intelligent, and everything came to him in such an easy way that he just never he played with all of it. Nothing was really work for him. Nothing was really serious and he, he he was a little bit hot as a young horse. So and because he never had to really work at it. He never developed a seriousness about it. So we did have, you know, him being a younger horse, you know, we went through some stages where it was a little bit exciting going into the ring and going to shows and, and all that stuff. He's turned eleven now this year. And um, with help with my trainer, with I'm training with Lars Peterson now, uh, and he really does understand the mentality from Devin. And Devin is gaining more maturity, and he's developing more strength, um, which just comes through the years and through the training. That is not something that you can horse from a young horse like you know sometimes i see people ride six seven eight-year-old horses and they're not strong enough to do the move yet they might be mentally they might be okay to understand what it is but physically they cannot possibly do it so it just takes time i mean training just really just takes time it just takes time to develop um a good dressage horse And he's 11 now, and um, he is really a complete changed horse. He comes to the shows now. He settles in. It all takes time for them to understand this whole taking away from home, going to shows, you know, settling in. Now he lays down, and he's so relaxed, and he goes and he does his tests, and even coming out of his test, like before, like years ago, his adrenaline was pumping you know really high coming out of the test and now he comes out of the test his eye is quiet he's happy he's very pleased with himself now so it is it is so wonderful to see this development uh happening that i am i am so very pleased and excited for him it's not just the success but just that he is starting to feel really comfortable with himself and and actually really happy with himself and this is what i mean like being able to train a horse, to spend the time with him and to get to this point, I find just so rewarding, like um, getting to the point to make the horse really happy with himself in spite of him doing the most difficult movements. And you can only do that if you keep the mind and the body healthy, happy and
1: strong enough and connected enough.
2: So I'm, and I think this is what really, what really gets to me.
1: Well, as I mentioned, you had a good season down in Florida, didn't you? Very, very good season. And then uh, the the spring has gone pretty well, and into the summer, you won the Grand Prix Special with him um, just uh, last month at at Milton, the CDIW, and and you also uh, rode Robbie there. Tell tell us about Robbie W because uh, you you won with him too. So a pretty good weekend that for for you, wasn't it?
2: Yes, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Devin actually won this weekend in Paul group as well the Grand Prix and the Grand Prix special, so i mean he's 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 very pleased with himself, like i say um yeah we yeah Mr and Mrs. Letherdale, they um they bought um this gelding called Robbie w, who is in Oldenburg. We bought him in Denmark from blue Horse, and um this is a very, very exciting young horse for me uh he's gray. And um, he has, like, the most wonderful personality. Um, he he is already happy with himself. Like, he's a really happy boy. We always tease him and we call him Perfect Robbie. Um, that is his bar name. And um, because he is really so happy with himself already and, and he tries so hard. Like, now this is a horse where you really... It's almost like this really good-looking boyfriend that you have and you almost don't dare, you know, to take him out because, you know, he's just so wonderful. I mean, I I (laughs) have to say I'm so excited about him.
1: You'd like to show him off too to your friends, I'm yep. sure so, yeah, it's nice to have that just the right bow on your arm there and uh,
3: yeah exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, as you said after after milton, you did go on and, and win this past weekend that so that was that was great that was a double header as as well How did the scores compare at polgrave to what you got with him sixty five point nine and change I think it was in in uh, milton how did how did he feel between those two competitions, uh, Devin I'm thinking of now?
2: Yeah, um, well, Devin, the, he felt, uh, Devin in in Milton, he probably felt better in the Special, and in Paul Grave, Devin felt better in the Grand Prix compared to Milton. So um, every ride is different, every ride, uh, it seems like you have a little bit different corners or edges that you have to work out we are still way not where devon can be you know or should be in terms of um being the best he can be there is still so much room for improvement so right now still every ride is going out there and you know figuring out what can i do to make him even better um he's still very very young we've set up many more years And um, it is just, you know, still figuring out how can I make him even better because he's still he's still not quite there yet.
0: Mm.
1: Well, it's all as you say. It's always a work in progress with horses, isn't it? It, Absolutely, and and very satisfying too, as you said with the um, the Pan American Games qualifier as well. Tell us a little bit about the other horses and what your plans are now for the rest of the summer, Diane.
2: Well, uh, Robbie W., we are having our trials now. It's August five that weekend and then August 18th the weekend. The first one is in Caledon. The second one is in Palgrave. Those are uh, the Pan American Game Trials. And so we're hoping to do the best that we can do and hopefully we will make the team and be able to go to Mexico and then hopefully not disappoint our country and, you know, hopefully bring home a medal, there are so many hopes in horses, <laughs> I think that's why they both start with age
3: <laughs>
2: so um yeah, and then, after the pan American games, like I you know Robbie, he has so much potential, like I'm already excited um to be able to keep going with him um you know and and school and Start the training for you know the next level already for him. So I think that he really is going to be an exciting upcoming horse um, for our country as well. So it's um, he's one for the big ring as well, I believe. That's, so.
1: that's exciting. And and what other horses do you have in work right now? And don't? then
2: um, we also have um, an, a Danish gelding. His name is Crevis Crystal. I showed him uh, in Florida and this year so far in fourth level. And he's also a very, very exciting prospect. Um, He is seven, going to be turning eight, and um, just a fabulous horse. Um, Also, a little bit hot, uh, but that's what you need a little bit that spark. And he just um needs to go out and needs to do some shows. So right now I'm still hiding him a little bit in the fourth level and hopefully maybe the next season Florida we can bring him up a little bit into the Saint George level, into the advanced level. But also a very, very exciting horse and I'm I'm we're all having very big hopes into him um as well. And then I have uh, another baby baby, he's seven, he just is going to turn seven this year hallmark um he is um a young one that leatherdale's had bought as a foal from their stallion called his highness and his highness was um one of the best stallions that um mr and mrs leatherdale ever had and uh, i know louise she loved the stallion over everything, and when he had his accident and and had to be um, put asleep, it was like, it really was so hard for her, and it was like, yeah, it was super hard for her to deal with that. But, uh, so anyway, Hallmark, he looks very much like his dad, like his highness, and um, so he, this year, he's doing the first year advanced level. And uh, he's doing very well. He's always like in the middle, around 65, and um, maybe sometimes a little more, sometimes a little bit less. Again, same thing as just getting him out, getting him riding, getting him stronger. Um, You know, it's it's all the part about, you know, building up his strength and and getting him the mileage on him.
1: Well, it sounds like you're keeping... Very busy, Diane, and <laughs> no, no, no doubt. I mean, obviously, with the Panams this year, you'll be back to Florida for the winter, will you?
2: Yes, we we have it planned uh, because I I still like uh, working with Lars Peterson is is uh, very important, and it's really it's been really great um, to come and to do that. And again, I'm thanking Mr. and Mrs. Leatherdale so much for having the possibility to train with Lars and uh, be there and learn with him together. So it's um, it's been very exciting and Florida has been so good for my horses. Um, just the whole uh, environment and all the things that are happening and being able to go to so many shows, it's like you really are, your horse is growing in the one show season. It's almost like growing like two, three years at home in the season like it's you' you're, you're having really a big step ahead like it's so good for the horses to go on being able to go to shows and seeing all these things and and doing all the right training it's um, it's had this had really made a big step also helping um, for us to to you know get us head start.
1: So we never really grow out of being teenage girls with our ponies, do we, really, Diane? Is that's what you're saying? It's all as much fun as it was then.
2: It is absolutely <laughs> true. It is absolutely true. You know, it's I'm I'm we really are. I'm really so enjoying this and and being able to actually do what I love to do for a living. I mean, I always I always said to my mom, you know, like. That's you when you when you go through cancer. It's always like I always say don't don't be sad. Like honest to God, like I if I ever if I ever die, I can always say I really did what I love to do. It's not that I had a life that I spent, you know, ten hours locked in the office and I was unhappy. I really I do have a life that I really love to live and that I'm very happy with. And I think that that's probably more than a lot of other people can say.
1: The best job in the world, you'd say, huh? The best job for
2: me, for what I like to do in the world. Other people, they look at me and they go like, oh my God, you're crazy, you know, you're so busy, you work so hard, you know, it's like so much stress and all that kind of stuff. Like my mom, she always says, I don't know how you do this, you know and it's but for me it is really the best job in the world and i could never wish for anything better and i am just so thrilled and happy that i am able to do this and that i have such a great great support system to be able to do this because my you know having mr and mrs leatherdale you know taking care of me uh and having my mom helping and taking care of my family because my mom helps me a lot with my daughter and and all the background work. And um, then I have my, my groom that I have for so many years now, Chris Bacher and having her, I mean, she has gone through all these things with all my horses as well. She's been through Devon up and down as well. And so it's um, having the support system is so important for us riders because, there's always this saying, a good apple is only on top because you have all these little apples that keep you on top. And that is, um, that is very true. I mean, we need the support system in order to be up there. It's all the teamwork, you know.
1: Absolutely. Well, I want to wish you the very best of continued success and enjoyment of the sport, Diana. The very best to you. And thank you very much for joining us this week.
2: Alice, thank you very much for having me.
1: And just to remind you that the Pan-American Games will be taking place in Guadalajara, Mexico from October 15th to the 19th. That will be the dressage competition down there. And we will be following that with interest. And, of course, the selection trials that will be coming up here shortly in Gladstone, New Jersey, where people will be vying for a place on that team. So we'll keep you posted all here on the dressage radio show well we're going to be hearing from our first young reporter in just a second but before we do i want to remind you about one of our loyal sponsors here on the horse radio network and that is of course kentucky performance products they offer a variety of great supplements and one of those is Keriform, which is a source of biotin methionine iodine and zinc supplementation for all classes of horses Biotin, methionine, iodine and zinc are included at levels shown to support the maintenance of healthy hooves and hair. These ingredients are combined with lecithin and full-fat soybeans to provide a source of essential fatty acids, an ingredient that supports a normal, healthy hair coat. Yeast cultures are included and play a role in the maintenance of normal digestive function, making Careform a well-rounded, affordable supplement. You can find out more about this and all of the KPP products by visiting them online at kppusa.com or you can call them directly at 1-800-772-1988. And to learn more about horse nutrition and interact with the KPP experts, be sure to join their Facebook fan page. KPP is a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. Well, I'm joined now by our first young reporter here on the dressage radio show 19 year old Corinne stoller from melbrook new york who is a working student for courtney king die and has a report from the dressage for kids festival that Lyndon gray organizes each year corin thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us a report
3: hi thank you for having me
1: i know you're a regular listener to the show aren't you yes
3: yeah it's such a great show
1: Excellent. Good. We like to hear that. And now you had a lot of fun that week in July. Tell us a little bit about the this competition because a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with this. It's it's unique. It's something that uh, that London started, wasn't it?
3: Yes, it's really it's really a cool show. Um, it was just uh, the eighth through the tenth of July, and she does it at Pitts in Socrates, New York. And um, it's really it's really a cool. Like, way to have a show. She does it in three sections. Um, we do our normal dressage test, like any other show. And then she also has an equitation phase and a written test that everyone does. And um, it's all sort of scored individually, but for the whole show, she puts it all together and, um, you know, to compete and win in a division everything counts equally. So you have to really study for the show and it's not just about getting on your horse and riding and doing a test. Um, it's a lot about the, the stable management and just being a horse person in general. You know, it, it kind of includes everything. So it's really, it's really pretty neat. Um, um. And there are a ton of young riders. Um, it's really cool because there's everything from like these little cute kids on these adorable little ponies to, you know, more experienced people who are doing the higher levels and nice horses. But it's really just a nice atmosphere because it's pretty relaxed, you know, just fun. There's like tack room decorating contests and, um, we all do, from second level above, we do, like, this little practice jog. So, um, it's, it's just really, it's really unique and fun. It's, you know, we have a lot of things to, to think about and practice, but um, it's, you know, it's sort of a light mood at the same time. Yeah. with the
1: decorating and such. And yeah, absolutely. So make fun of the whole thing. You know, when you said young, very young, very young writers, what would be the age group? What, how young would they be starting, Corinne?
3: You know, I'm really not sure, but there are really some tiny little kids. I think um, you know, under under 10 um, for sure. I know for the, for the reading requirements, like we each have different books that we have to read, and um, I know there's an age group like you know ten and under. I'm not sure exactly who was the youngest rider, but uh, they are really a good group of little little kids. And now, tell us about the books that
1: are uh, the prescribed reading for as part of this uh, festival.
3: Well, we all read um, one book, which was How Your Horse Moves, and uh, or at least a section of it, and that was for everyone and over. So everyone is tested on that. And I think each of the age groups have sort of unique tests, um, depending on their age range. And then um, each age range also has another book. Like for my group, it was um, Dressage Masters. And it was um, for, you know, big time trainers and just talking about riding and um, what they've done and their training methods. And it's really interesting. And the How Your Horse Moves um, is more technical and um, talking about biomechanics. And so it's, it's really a, a cool thing. It's books that um, I probably wouldn't have bought and read just at this time, just because of you know, being busy and caught up in other things. But the fact that Lyndon had us get these books And read them and push us to do it and know that we're going to be tested on it was really a super opportunity because they're really nice to read and um you really learn a lot and i'm sure each you know group had the same experience
1: very educational she's not going to send you away to read misty of Chincoteague*, is she
3: no, <laughs> it's good stuff. It really is.
1: And and tell us a, a little bit about the time you have to spend doing each of these different phases for the competition, Corinne. Sorry, uh, what
3: was that?
1: Tell us about the different phases. How long you would spend doing each of these? Was there a prescribed time that you had to, in which you had to? You know, take part in each of you know the the uh, the both the the theory and the practical, so to speak.
3: Well, at the show itself um, on Friday night, everyone meets together, and we all do the written test. And so, really, it, there's kind of an unlimited time to take the test, but I think it was about fifty questions, and um, so you know. I, I think it took about 20, 30 minutes, and London also kind of meets and talks to everybody, and it's really neat to um, see so many young riders kind of grouped together and ready to, to take their tests. Um, and then for the equitation, it's a fairly short little test. Um, we all just kind of come in a little group, and we have our certain time that we're warmed up by, just just like uh, doing a dressage test. Um, only there are five or six riders in the ring with you. And, um, the judge just says, okay, go around, collect the draw, do your shoulder in or whatever the level has you do. And that probably takes about 10 minutes. It's really not too long. And, um, then the normal dressage test, it's just like a show where we had our time and we wrote our tests and then, uh, all of the, the equitation and tests were both on Saturday. And then they put them all together and you get your scores.
1: Now, do you have to own your own pony or own horse for this, Corinne, Or can you catch a ride as well, you know, leading up to this? Is there a way you can borrow a horse and, and prepare for this event?
3: Oh, you, you can absolutely catch a ride. I don't have my own horse. And I'm so thankful for um, Claire and Betsy who both let me borrow their horses here Uh, last year I also borrowed a horse from Claire Glover and uh, it's it's really kind of a neat situation because I you know probably wouldn't have had good chance or you know it's just it gives a good opportunity to ride a different horse and prepare in a somewhat short amount of time to go to a show and it's it's really it's really fun and I'm sure it's a great experience to have your own horse. There too, um, but it's it's a good way to to learn other horses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds a bit like the pony club days that I I can remember. Just so much fun being around summer camp, you know. And it, it just sounds like that kind of festival of fun and activities and learning as well. And now, do you know how many people actually took part that weekend, Corin?
3: I think it was.
1: About
3: two hundred and seventy. Wow! Wow! Quite a few. I'm. I was so amazed when I looked at the the entry, um, all the ride times and stuff. I can't believe what a huge, you know, group of young riders it is, and how they put it all together and make such a fun and organized event. It's really something. That's
1: fantastic. Well, great. And this is an annual event. How long has it been running now?
3: I. I believe that was the 13th. Is it really? Yeah.
1: Well, good for Lyndon. He's, uh, everybody knows she's a regular here on the Dressage Radio Show. Everybody loves having um, Lyndon on the show, and good for her hosting this each year and for for you all to have such fun doing it. Corinne, thank you very much for for bringing this uh, this report to us, our first in Young Rung Reporter series here on the Dressage Radio Show. Now, we we also want to mention, as you as I said in, in the introduction, that you work for Courtney Kingdye. You've been there over a year now and living the dream, I would guess.
3: Yes, it's so, it's, it's fantastic. I, it's more than I could imagine. Courtney is so amazing. And London and Jen, um, it's really, it's really neat. So learning
1: very this, much. this is it then? This is the dressage life for you, is it?
3: It is, yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> always been my dream. All right. Well,
1: the very best of luck with your career, Corinne, and maybe we can get you back on next year to give us a report from Dressage for Kids Festival.
3: Oh, that would be great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you
1: again, Corinne. Take care. My pleasure. And my special thanks to Liz Call. And don't forget, you can also join in the Young Reporter series here. If you're under 20 years of age, just email me, chris, C-H-R-I-S, at horseradionetwork.com and tell me about your local show and why you'd like to come on the show and report on it. And we're coming now to, of course, our weekly segment here, which we introduced a few weeks ago, Words of Wisdom, which I hope you're enjoying. We've got lots more of those to come, so let's hear this week's version. Equitation and Dressage Defined Equitation has been defined as the science and art of riding the horse, for work and pleasure, sport and spectacle, and it includes the education of the rider and of the horse for these purposes. Let us also consider what we mean by dressage, which is one part, albeit an important part of Equitation, that part which pertains to training the horse rather than the rider. Francois Robichon de La Gueniere from sixteen eighty eight to seventeen fifty one, probably the greatest of the eighteenth century masters, and the man who had more influence on the development of the art of school riding and training than any other single person, defined Dressage as follows The object of Dressage is by systematic work, to make the horse calm, light and obedient, so that he may be pleasant in his movements and comfortable for the rider this is as true for the horse for the chase and for the military charger as for the school horse he and his immediate successors practiced menage or school riding as an art and spectacle for its own sake and held that the same principles of riding and schooling applied to outdoor sport as well Later generations have not accepted this and have developed outdoor and cross-country riding and training on lines of their own in a whole series of interrelated sports and by selective breeding they have produced horses specially suited to these sports. While adhering to Glaguinera's principles, his successors have also progressively adapted school riding and training to contemporary tastes and horses, the classical masters of the 17th and early 18th centuries kept their horses in a state of sustained collection to perform the school airs, while in modern dressage as much important is attached to extension in the school paces as to collection, and collection is momentary rather than sustained. This extract is taken from Effective Horsemanship by G. N. Jackson and published by Compton Russell in 1967. Well, that just about brings this week's show to a close. I want to thank my guests this week, Diane Creech and Corinne Staler. And also, I want to remind you about iTunes and that you can download all of these episodes on your iPod, iPod your iPhone, or any of your MP3 players. A lot of people do that. And that's the best way to listen to the show. That's the way I listen to the Horse Radio Network shows. Just download the podcast, which is free, at iTunes, and all you have to do is subscribe to that podcast and update each week with the latest episode. And don't forget to go onto our website and check out the show notes, of course, at dressageradio.com, and you can also visit horseworldgivesback.com as well to follow that campaign here on the Horse Radio Network. And if you prefer, if you have an iPhone and you prefer... To follow us on your apps, then uh, Hallway Feeds is the one you need for us. They carry all of our shows here. That's easy enough, but uh, not everybody has an iPhone. I understand that too. Don't forget if you're on our website to check out the audible.com offer and also do some shopping at Amazon right there. And our Facebook fan page, of course, is a very active one. We love to hear from you on there. Get some great comments. Also got some nice comments about JJ Tate being the new co-host on the show. Looking forward to her having her back on here in a few weeks time we've got the North America Junior and Young Rider Championships taking place in the Kentucky Horse Park uh, next week so I'm looking forward to going over there and following our young riders and our juniors and bringing you an update front and report from that show here in the next couple of weeks as well. You can follow us of course on Twitter, Horse Radio and Chris E Stafford, don't forget to put the E in the middle and please do check out all the other great shows here on the Horse Radio Network, not least of all the brand new Equestrian Legends and the Driving Radio Show as I always say, there is something for everybody here. Don't forget my email chris at com. love to hear from you, any comments, questions or suggestions, any ideas that you may have of people that we should get here On the show, love to hear from you, and uh, of course, if you're out there competing, stay cool, keep your horse cool as well. I hope the footing is uh, being kind to you. We've had a lot of uh, showers and storms here in the Bluegrass area, but it's also been very hot and humid, as I'm sure it has been with you, so take care uh, I must not close this show without congratulating, of course, Matthias Rat and his win in Arken on Totilus, another terrific result for him and his new partner, and also to Stefan Peters who won the small tour with Veltina so congratulations to all of them and enjoy your competing out there, and I hope you'll come back next week for another episode of the Dressage Radio Show, so until then, thank you more for listening.